special night coming up at Red Bull Arena as New York returns to action after the international break against DC United on 9-11. Today on Red Bull Weekly, Steve Jolly joins me to talk a little bit about what it was like during that 2001 season. And we're also joined by rising star of New York Red Bull 2, forward Jake LaCava. This is Matt Harmon from the New York Red Bull Radio Network. Thanks, as always, for listening. It's the latest edition of our podcast series, Red Bull Weekly. Summer with the unofficial end after the Labor Day holiday, which means we are in full soccer mode and ready to get back up and going with Steve Jolly, who fills in today for Connor Laid. I'm Matt Harmon. Steve and I, of course, broadcast the games on the New York Red Bull Radio Network. This is our Red Bull Weekly Podcast. Good one here today. Steve and I will start with a little segment before we bring our guest on, who is Jake LaCava from New York Red Bull 2. Steve saw him up close and in person uh, just the other night in what was a 2 nothing win over Hartford. Steve, I want to hop into that before we kind of go back to the senior side of things a little bit and talk about the upcoming game against D.C. United. Um, this New York Red Bull 2 team has struggled during the course of the season with wins and losses, but clearly one of the bright spots during the course of the year is Jake LaCava, a guy I know you are extremely high on and fresh off a goal the other night against Hartford. Yeah, I mean, I think Jake did a great job the other night against Hartford, and uh, and quite frankly, they needed some leadership in, in his respect. Um, this is a team, Red Bull 2, had been struggling lately. I mean, I think it's, everybody knows. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think the last time they won a game before their win last Saturday was uh, July 7th. So they've been struggling of late, and they needed some leadership to step in, and uh, he did an incredible job uh, up top the other night. You know, you think of it, and on so many levels, you you think of a player like LaCava and how maybe he could translate to the next level with a Major League Soccer side, with the New York Red Bulls. Um, and he seems to have, Steve, all of the qualities of a guy that fits the profile of a Red Bull player at the MLS level. So you're going to know, because we've spent so much time together in the last seven years, uh, you know, probably some of the things or at least details of his game that I appreciate. First and foremost, he's one of the few players that we have at this level. Um, and this is, I think, a detriment to U.S. soccer that we don't have players that have absolutely no fear running at players. Uh, Jake embodies that kind of philosophy. Uh, I think I even we brought it up on air of like, who does he remind me of? And, uh, you know, how Pulisic doesn't have any fear going at players, guys like Landon Donovan. And I'm not suggesting he's at that level yet in any capacity, but he has that kind of mindset. And I think the, the probably the greatest comparable is, is like a Mike Corella, um, a guy who's, you know, technically very you know savvy, but more importantly, um, he has a desire and a passion to score goals. And, um, and I think what, the, what do they call him? Like the chaos, something like Mr. Chaos or something like that. And, uh, and that's exactly what you need in a front runner. Sometimes if you could parallel it to the U S men's national team game the other night in Nashville, that's exactly what kind of player we needed. Somebody who had no fear of taking players on defenders on and creating some chaos. I noticed that you dropped in the U.S. men's national team. I could feel your disappointment in saying that, right? <laughs> it hurts my heart so bad, man. Uh, it's been a frustrating last couple of days. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's been a frustrating situation relative to what's happened on the field and, and maybe what's happened off the field with certain players. And, 
And, uh, you know, we talk about must-win situations, and I know we're going to joke about that relative to Red Bull, but when you talk about the U.S. men's national team not getting three points out of those first two games, um, what does it say? Uh, I'm not hurt, but just a little disappointed, I guess is the best way of saying it. Important game coming on Wednesday uh, against Honduras. That will be a tough one. Always is in CONCACAF when a team plays on the road. You know, Steve, we, we got a couple minutes here before we take a break and then bring Jake on. For the New York Red Bull side of things on the MLS side, a team that is still trying to figure it out a little bit. And they've got a massive game uh, after the international break on Saturday. Will be a special night at Red Bull Arena. You've got 9-11, the 20th anniversary. You've got two teams and two cities that were dramatically impacted by what took place 20 years ago in D.C. and New York. Um We'll talk about that in a minute, but I, I think for this Red Bull side, just to spend a minute on it, you and I will have the call. It, it, it's got to be a team that figures it out right now yeah. going into kind of the stretch run of the season. So you can go ahead and say it. It's, it's, it's right there at that must-win territory that you've been speaking about the last are, couple of weeks. Are you there yet? Are you there yet? <laughs> I'm really close. You know, I'm looking at the standings as we speak, and I see that New York team at 12 spot, and uh, and I know there's a couple games in hand in different places, but uh, you know we're eight points out of uh, of that playoff position, playing against you know DC United that's in that seventh spot. Uh, it's getting close, if not very close, to that must-win territory. Now that we've entered the September zone, as it often is, September October is the must-win territory where you try to get your three points at home more than anything else, and if you can steal some points on the road even better but uh yeah we've we've got to be pretty dominant this weekend steve and i joked the last couple of weeks and the last couple of games for those that listen to us on the radio side of things i've called the last couple of games must wins as part of the homestand this will be the back end of it um with is this you justify this is you justifying your your comments again that's good no, i'm I, glad I, i'm gonna start on saturday <laughs> I'm, gonna ask, I'm just i'm gonna give you a heads up right now as we record right on a tuesday I'm going to tell you the first thing that I'm going to ask you on Saturday will be, is this a must win? So I'm going to expect you to be prepared with <laughs> in hand and ready to go. Money, I'm always prepared. But in reference to the making a decision, if this is a must win, I'm going to have to sleep on this the next couple of days. Uh, wait until see what happens to me emotionally and psychologically after this game Wednesday night for the U.S. men's national team. And I'll probably be in the mood where everything is must win at this stage in terms of the teams I, uh, I follow and appreciate. You know, Steve, the other side of it, and I know for you as a member of Major League Soccer and the organization going back to 2001, just to spend a minute on that, and we'll get into more detail uh, in our pregame show on Saturday, it, it was something that dramatically um, took over the sports world, took over basically the entire country, 9-11 back in 2001. And for you, you were deeply impacted, I know, after that, you got involved with some, some causes that were near and dear to your heart. Um, but it was a very difficult time to be part of any anything in the country. But from a sports perspective, being part of Major League Soccer, if I said, do you remember that year? How, how quick does something kind of flash back to you? Well, a, a couple of things. I mean, quite frankly, it was probably professionally before September 11th, my best professional year. It was the year that I became an MLS All-Star. Um, my wife and I got married the fall before, you know, or the winter, you know, before uh, we just moved into our house, uh, literally August 31st, just days before in our house in Weehawken on the cliffs of Weehawken overlooked downtown. Um, you know, one of my really, really close friends uh, passed away in the South Tower, uh, Greg Trost. 
Um, and then my next door neighbor, uh, Robert Vicario, uh, passed away as well. He was in the North Tower. And it's just, it's a sad story thinking about the young people who have lost their lives, like my friend Greg, but also the story of my neighbor who, um, you know, quite frankly, um, I didn't know him exceptionally well. Um, I'd only been moved there for a couple of weeks before September 11th, but I knew his story. His story was simply, you know, a man who was you know, passionately in love with his wife. They were a little late in terms of having kids and getting married. Um, when he did have kids in, in May, uh, he stayed at home and didn't work one day until the first day back was September 11th in the North Tower, just working as a kind of wood workman. And, um, yeah, it's gut-wrenching. It's gut-wrenching to think about what, you know, those families have gone through over the last in 20 years, just thinking about the uh, the lives lost, you know, it's just, it, it's it's still tough to this day. I mean, we did some stuff with Red Bull earlier this week. So last Friday I went to uh, to the memorial and uh, I got to tell you, it, it wasn't easy then and it's not easy now and it's not going to be easy come Saturday for me. Did you feel a responsibility as a professional athlete, as so many did in this area? You know, I, I'm remembering back to, you know, the Mets, the Yankees, the Jets, the Giants, because everybody was in season um, at that time, you know, with, with Major League Soccer, the Metro Stars being part of it, kind of building and putting back together the area. But your responsibility um, per personally and professionally as an athlete, what role you kind of played with it? Um, yeah, it's, it's a, a great question. And quite frankly, I think if anything, it was just like an outlet for at least me personally in terms of sports. Um, you know, I felt like, you know, it was a time that we kind of all came together as Americans. And, uh, and if I can reflect on 20 years later, it kind of bums me out that we're in a situation that we're in today. Uh, you know, it was like us versus them. And we didn't really know who to find them were at the very beginning of, uh, after September 11th. And now it's it was, like we're but it was us. That was the, that's the key. It was whoever us and that, and that was whoever the, them was was fine. But it was us more so us. than anything else. Exactly, it was us more than anything else. It's about being proud to be an American and, and making sure that uh, we came together as a group to help support them. Um, whether it's supporting people that you knew and, and loved about, or supporting military, whatever it may be. And um, you know, I, I think you know when I think about the time in terms of the fall, and uh, so it was a wonderful outlet. You know, it was a wonderful opportunity just to get away from it a little bit. As I mentioned, our house literally for the flat you know, six to nine months saw from our master bedroom smoke billowing out, you know, of the south into Manhattan. So it was it was a constant reminder. And you think about, you know, this wasn't a time of, of, of social media or anything like that. And what people sometimes forget is that, you know, I was driving down to Kane University for practice when we saw the smoke coming out of the towers and, you know, there was no cell phone. So my wife, who was working Midtown, you know, I didn't have an ability to get in touch with her. Um, it was very difficult. And it wasn't a situation where, you know, you also have, and I still remember a stark reminder of it, of, um, you know, those that were lost and family members who couldn't find those who are lost, you know, putting up, you know, paper pictures of, you know, give us a call, figure out something. It was just, it was a horrible time. And I, I, I miss our country coming together for a worthy cause in that respect. And, um, yeah, um, soccer was released uh, after it happened. It was a situation of being able to just kind of only think about soccer for a little bit for that hour or two you were on a field. And um, and if anything, if, if the sport was lost in that fall or it was released, but if it was lost for me personally, it just allowed me to kind of appreciate and gain perspective of how fortunate I was to be able to do something that I loved. And everybody was you know healthy in my family directly and um, and, and kind of cherish kind of what I have in my life or had in my life at that time.
You know, I, I, I'm going to say this and it might come off sounding weird. I'm looking forward to talking more about this with you on Saturday when we do our, our pregame show, because I know we'll be able to dive into it a little bit. And we have over the course of the last seven years working together. Um, I, I am fascinated when you talk about this and reflect back on it. And, and I invite all of our listeners to make sure that they join us on our pregame show, which will start an hour before kickoff on 9-11 as Red Bull will welcome in DC United. We're going to take a timeout here. When we come back, we'll bring on our guest for the day, a very happy Jake LaCava, who had the goal the other night against Hartford Athletic from New York Red Bull 2. We'll do that right after this quick pause. This is Red Bull Weekly brought to you by NJIT. New York Red Bulls Weekly brought to you in part by the New Jersey Institute of Technology. NJIT makes industry-ready engineers in more than 20 fields. If it's engineering, it's at NJIT. Number one of the nation for student upward economic mobility. Learn more at njit.edu. We are back here on Red Bull Weekly with Steve Jolly, my radio partner. I'm Matt Harmon. We've got the radio call for you of New York and D.C. United coming up. On Saturday at Red Bull Arena, we will remember 9-11 with the 20th anniversary. 20 years old is the age of our player who we have on as a guest today. He is Jake LaCava, who we just talked about in our open big goal the other night against Hartford in what was a very important win for New York Red Bull 2. Jake, I'm going to get it out of the way. People are listening to us, and there will probably be a clip somewhere in there. The three of us can see each other. Without question, hands down, of all of our guests we've had on this season, you've got the best hair. I'm just going to say it right now. The best hairstyle of anybody we've had on, player, coach, administrative staff. I know Steve is extremely <laughs> when he sees and talks to you right now. Enjoy it while it lasts, Jake. That's all I got to tell you in terms of advice. Enjoy it while it lasts. Just grow it. Let it just be a blossom of, of nothing but positivity. I was going to, I was going to say, I mean, we, you know, we've had on like John Tolkien, we've talked about his hair. We've had Aaron Long on, he's gone through the many looks. And as we kind of break down the the last part of summer here, I mean, I I feel like you just got out of the water with, you know, your surfboard and you're ready, ready to rip. Yeah. That's kind of the look I go for. I mean, JMI has had some very interesting hair in the past. So try to, I try to keep it pretty simple. I either cut it short or I grow it out. And right now I'm in the middle of growing it out. So we'll see how long I go. Is it something, um, you know, as we talk to you here, we'll, we'll talk about soccer, but soccer is what it is. We, we want to know, like, are, are you somebody who does involve yourself with the water, surfing, anything like that? What, what, what kind of interest do you have? I'm not a big water guy, to be honest. I'm uh, kind of a little bit scared of it. Not a big fan of the ocean or lakes or stuff. The only water I'll go near is probably swimming pools. But, um, you know, outside of that, you know, other interests I take uh, – take a liking to is music working out stuff like that but definitely not a big water guy how about scoring goals that must have been a fun one the other night against Hartford right I mean Steve and I talked about in the open clearly it's been an up and down type season for you guys at New York Red Bull too but to be able to come out get the win and score the goal to kind of set things up um, really important just to kind of get you guys out of that that out of that funk that you were in a little bit yeah that was huge obviously we were in a we were in a pretty big of a rough patch, you know, seven, seven game lose streak. So uh, coming up against Hartford, you know, at home, Hartford, the team who we've struggled the past in the recent recently. And, um, you know, I personally love playing against Hartford. I love the energy that that game brings. And, you know, there's a little bit more on that game for me being from Connecticut and all. So uh, 
loved getting the goal against them and ultimately the result against them as well. So I guess the, the biggest question I have, at least from the beginning, is, you know, what do you have against Hartford? You, you, you know, you get signed with Red Bull, too. Your first game is against Hartford. And next thing you know, you play him again, you know, the other night and, uh, and you're just kind of taking it to him, scoring goals. I mean, is there some like personal like vendetta you have against the town of Hartford or something? I wouldn't say personal vendetta. I just I don't really like that area that much uh, <laughs> growing up. Um, kind of the southwest region of uh, Connecticut. So, you know, never really went into Hartford too much. Uh, but yeah, just never really big fan of that area. And I guess uh, in my head to get psyched for the games, I always put a little bit extra on it. I always try to uh, just come up with things in my head to give me a little bit more pump for the game, come game time. But uh, yeah. You know, which is crazy, Jake, when you think of it, you're you're a guy from Connecticut, from New Milford, um, and you mentioned the region. So, you know, and maybe you've gotten a flavor of that in New Jersey. There's North Jersey, there's Central Jersey, there's South Jersey, there's I live on the shore. I mean, we consider ourselves separate from everybody, like our own little area here. Is Connecticut the, is Connecticut the same? Like it's very geographic and fragmented out like that? A little bit. I mean... I wouldn't say it's as uh, fragmented as Jersey is, but um, there's definitely differences in the parts of Connecticut you live in. I have family and, and friends up in, you know, kind of northern Connecticut up towards Boston and Massachusetts. And, you know, I guess I guess you could say those guys are like more of the Patriots fans. And then down where I'm from is more like the Giants, Mets type of type of vibe. All right, so we're going to kind of progress a little bit in terms of the soccer side. And this is where I want to kind of get a good understanding of kind of what you were thinking, only being 20 years old. You started your academy career with Barca, then you moved to LA Galaxy, then to Red Bull. Can you just give us, like, you know, some perspective about those moves and what you were thinking and kind of how they, you know, came about? Yeah, so I started at Barca, and um, that was the first real academy environment I was in. And, um, you know, that was, that was really a perfect environment for me as a player at the time. Um, it kind of set the tone for my type of style of play. And, um, you know, working with the guys that I worked with there, obviously, Caden Clark was there when I was there. I had guys like Julian Araujo, Matthew Hoppy, who's now on the national team and playing for Mallorca. Um, so I was surrounded by a great group, of, great group of guys. I had Sean McCaffrey there and a couple other coaches who I really looked up to. And, um, you know, that was a big role my development and then you know after that going to galaxy kind of getting the taste for more of the mls you know professional type of lifestyle um again that added another type of style of play to my um to my toolbox you could say and uh i enjoyed my time there but you know coming coming to red bulls you know after after galaxy um you know i had sean mccafferty here so it, it kind of like a little bit easier making that decision to jump here and um you know red bulls were had a different type of style of play than what i've been used to before and you know i'm a very adaptable player and um you know i like to i like to add new styles and and new ways to play into my toolbox and you know i looked at red bulls as a challenge but also an opportunity um you know their style of play kind of attracted me here and i think i've taken to it pretty well and you know it's been a great opportunity going forward Jake, when you when you mentioned the spots that you've stopped at already along the way and the different styles of play uh, for a player that's that's still young, right at 20 years old, how important is it for you to to maybe figure out what style works for your game as opposed to what style doesn't work for your game? 
I think it's massively important. Um, you know, every team has their different type of styles that they play. Finding one that suits you and one that you can thrive in is really important as a player. And, um, you know, I've played in many different styles. I wouldn't say I, I'm a one, you know, style type of player. Um, you know, Barca and L.A. were very different to, to the way that Red Bulls play. But, um, you know, I'm the type of guy that likes the challenge of adapting to new styles, that likes getting to know the systems and, and the way that, you know, my strengths can fit into the system and the way that I can benefit teams and the way that the style of play can benefit me. I don't want to I don't want to make a comparison to anybody, but you're following at least right now a similar career path from one city to the next as Steve. Steve started <laughs> with the Galaxy and then came to the Metro Stars before finishing his career up um, with New York. And and I remember, Steve, you talking about and Maybe you can share with Jake just how how interesting and, you know, for lack of a better word, how cool it was to be on one coast before coming to the other. Yeah, I mean, Jake, you can probably allude to it as well. I mean, you get a little bit of perspective when you get outside your little comfort zone of maybe, you know, the Connecticut area for me and Virginia. And then you get the perspective of being in California and the difference between being in California and North Jersey is pretty much night and day sometimes. Um, you mentioned about the adaptability of your playing style and your strengths uh, of those different academies. But you, can, can you kind of allude to a little bit more, or at least define for yourself what you think your quote unquote strengths are? I think my strengths are as a player, I'm, I'm a big guy, I'm fast, I'm, I'm technical on the ball, but, you know, I am kind of fearless when it comes to taking on players. I love, I love getting in on one-on-one -on -one situations, and, you know, every time I get the ball, my first thought is, is can I drive to goal, can I, can I make something dangerous happen, can I score, can I assist, and, you know, I think that's the biggest part of my game is, you know, getting in those one-on-one -on -one situations, beating my player, and either whipping in a ball or getting a shot off on goal. You know, Steve, you just talked about it. And, Jake, I'm going to throw this to you. Right before we had you on, Steve and I did a little segment, and he talked about from an American soccer side of things, players right now not having the willingness to just drive at people. When you watch other you know, players within the uh, youth national system, within the men's national team who's now up and going with World Cup qualifying, does that something that strike you as well, players just not being willing to just Go it, guys, one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah, when I watch, um, you know, it's a bit weird for me because as a player, that's the stuff that I love to do. That's the situations that I would love to be in. So every time I see, you know, players pass up on that situation, you know, I'm always like, oh, like I'm like, man, like, I would love to be there. I'd love to be in that situation. I'd, I'd love the chance to take that guy on. And that's just the way I think, you know. I look at players as, you know, a challenge and – you know, especially defenders, you know, the better the defender, the more I want to go at them and the more I want to, you know, get past them and, and kind of show them up. But uh, that's just me as a player. And, you know, when I see guys in that situation, I kind of start salivating and I start thinking like, oh, man, like that could be me. Well, I love that perspective, and it, it's, it's a perspective we kind of alluded to before you got on air in terms of us, uh, I think collectively, I say the royal we, us in, in the soccer community, wish we had more players like yourself or developing players like yourself who uh, who are fearless, as you just articulated exceptionally well on. Um, can you give us a little bit of perspective, your own perspective about you know what's happening maybe in terms of what you're watching with the, uh, the World Cup qualifying? What does it mean for you in terms of not just seeing the games, but allowing you some broader perspective of, you know, opportunities that might exist for an American soccer player, seeing, you know, what the importance of the world, because this is probably, you know, 
I mean, you were four years ago, you were 16 years old, and I don't know how involved and engaged you were in, in, in going through the World Cup experience with these players. And uh, I'd love to hear your perspective now relative to, um, you know, what you're seeing on the field and and maybe what you're thinking over this next game in the next 24 hours or so and just kind of, you know, wherever you want to take it relative to what is the U.S. men's national team right now. Yeah, uh, I've enjoyed it. I've been – I've been kind of invested since uh, since I was 16 and in the last run at World Cup qualifying. Um, I think it's great seeing all the guys go overseas and and now come back to the United States and the men's national team. And, you know, I, I hear a lot about, you know, the talented players that we have. And, you know, this is the generation that's going to do it for us and the whole like youth movement and stuff. And, you know, I'm on board with that, I think. You know, I think right now the U.S. is developing really good players, and I think we're, we're continuing to do so. Um, I think we've seen the results in the Nations League and the Gold Cup as well. And, uh, you know, players are getting on the field that I've played with. You know, Julian Araujo, Matthew Hoppe, you know, guys like that. I've played with Conrad De La Fuente. But um, so it's great seeing those guys out there. And, you know, I think as a young player, you know, seeing those guys out there and, and seeing the way that soccer is going in the U.S., it, it gives a lot of young players around here a lot of hope because they see those guys out there doing it and they think, you know, why can't I do it? You know, you're seeing a lot more guys move over to Europe and you're seeing a lot of guys get a chance to represent their nation. And, um, you know, I think it's going to continue going in a good direction regardless of results at the moment. But, um, you know, we're going to continue developing players and, you know, we're going to be pushing for a top spot. Here with Jake LaCava, Matt Horman, Steve Jolly, Red Bull Weekly Podcast on the senior side of things. Major League Soccer back up and going at RBA uh, this weekend. D.C. United comes into town. Uh, Jake, it, it, it strikes me with your answer that is very well put together and very mature for someone at 20 years old. For you, what where do you see yourself heading the next couple of years? I mean, listen, everybody wants to make, I'm sure, ultimately the jump to somewhere in Europe. But for you... Do you feel like you've kind of now settled that that the Red Bull style of play kind of suits you as as who you are? Yeah, it definitely. I'd say I've adapted to the style pretty well, and um, you know, I'm happy here. And uh, you know, it, it's been a big leap from you know LA back to here, but you know, I've enjoyed it. I have family here, and so uh, I can't say where I'm going to be for sure in the future, but um, I know making the jump is always the goal playing at the highest level possible is always, you know, my goal. And, you know, right now, the next step for me, I can see is the MLS. And then, you know, obviously, like you said, every player has their eyes set on Europe and, and big clubs. So hopefully that too one day, but the next step for me is definitely, I believe MLS and, and pushing to get there and then ultimately showing what I can do at that level. You know, from a, from a perspective of um, remembering back a couple of weeks ago, we had Sean McCafferty on, the podcast, and he talked about this young group of players that Red Bull 2 has. Again, results notwithstanding, being able to kind of go through the ups and downs as professionals yourself um, with some of the other younger guys and learning right now at your age to be able to make that transition to an MLS level, it, it would be really fun to see you guys try and stay together, right? And make that move, you know, not not all at the same time, but over the course of the next couple of years to see what you could all do together and can you bring home that championship for a Red Bull organization? Yeah, that's definitely something that would be awesome. You know, I know a lot of the guys on the first team as well that have, you know, kind of come through the ranks and, you know, a lot of us even now on the team, 
you know, going in that direction and, you know, the talent that we have and, you know, the things that we've been through and stuff, um, all the things that we've learned just from this season alone, going through the kind of rough patch that we went through and then hopefully coming out on the other side of that. And, you know, I think, I think we've all, you know, come a long way this season and, you know, there's still a long way to go, but it is interesting to see, you know, what could happen with us in the future, especially if we all, you know, stay together. Tell us a little bit about, or at least just kind of go a little bit further in reference to like how you were feeling over the last couple of weeks. You know, you haven't had a win since July 7th. You've been going through, you know, if there's peaks and valleys, you've been going through the valley side of the season. What was it like in terms of the locker room, maybe some of the veteran guys uh, being in there, just kind of encouraging players, just kind of give us some a little bit of perspective about what it meant to, uh, to go through that and hopefully to come out of it with the great performance that you had last weekend against Hartford. Yeah, the past few weeks have been rough morale-wise. Um, you know, the older guys, you know, we try to do what we can to kind of keep keep things high. I mean, you know, we do have a lot of young players on the team. And um, I think personally just keeping them in a good mindset to keep moving forward, to, you know, keep having confidence because ultimately, you know, we're all playing best when we're at our most confident. So I think it's it's a mix between not letting, you know, everybody's confidence get too low, but also, you know, realizing that there's, you know, things that we need to do better. And, um, you know, I think as a team, a lot of our performances for the past seven games, the past couple months have been there, but, you know, the results haven't. So there's just little tweaks that we needed to make. And, um, you know, coming out against Hartford, you know, I think the performance was there and I think the results were there. I think we, you know, we had a lot of energy and, you know, we try to attack every game with a lot of energy and a and a lot of intensity. We try to kind of play our opponents off the field. And, you know, I think we did that that night. And, you know, the bounces fell our way as well. And, you know, we got the result. So, you know what's crazy, Jake? Right at the beginning of your answer, I was completely struck by the fact that you talked about you are one of the older guys on the team. And you mentioned the young guys in the locker room. Trying to keep them, you know, what, what, what does it say? What is it like for you to be 20 years old and feel like, you're a veteran on the team. It's crazy. It's definitely, it's a weird feeling because me, myself, I'm, I'm experiencing a lot of stuff for the first time. And, you know, I look around and I'm like, wow, like, you know, I'm next to, you know, some kids who are also experiencing it the first time. And I kind of have to uh, take a higher road and, you know, kind of put my feelings aside and, you know, kind of help other people through situations as well. And, you know, it's not, it's not just, you know, me learning anymore. It's also, you know, I have to, I have to look out for, you know, people on the team as well. And, you know, it's definitely interesting being so young and, you know, kind of being one of those leaders and role models and, and mentors on the team. Being so young, quote unquote, that you just said, and, and, and being a role model, like who are some of the players that you kind of looked up to, um, you know, whether it be national team, maybe some MLS players or whomever it may be over the last couple of years, as you're kind of getting more and more engaged with the kind of the, the MLS kind of soccer community and the academy systems, who are some players that maybe you saw who are playing maybe in the league and then maybe some players that we might not know uh, that have um, that you think are kind of in the USL, you know, academy divisions and stuff like that. It's people we should keep an eye on. Yeah. I think some players that I've looked up to, you know, personally in the Red Bull system, the last few years, that's, you know, one of them has been Danny Royer, you know, kind of talking to him on preseason and stuff. And whenever I get the opportunity to train with the first team, you know, kind of just looking at what he does and and kind of getting information from him and what it's been like for him. I think he's a big one who, you know, I've looked up to in the league and also guys like Aaron Long and Sean Davis, guys who have kind of had, you know, 
my path so far, you know, started with the twos, you know, the academy and kind of worked their way up to where they are now. And, um, yeah, so they've definitely been some players that I've looked up to and, and yeah, but, uh, some guys I'd say to watch out for definitely, you know, Sergio Goma getting the goal the other night. He's one who, you know, in training, he's always impressing. He's always looking to work hard. He's a hardworking kid. Um, there's Austin Brummett as well, you know, ruled Mitchell. He's at Wake Forest now, but he was one when I was playing with them. But um, also Joey Zielinski, you know, he was probably one of my best friends on the team at Rutgers now. But, uh, you know, I loved playing with him. I loved the energy he brought in training every day, you know, going up against him. You know, he was a defender, so we were always on opposite teams. So going up against him in training, you know, he always gave me a hard battle. So um, he's definitely one that I would look out for as well. Nick, let's finish with this one before we let you go. Um you mentioned in there talking about and with some of the older guys that have taken a similar path that maybe your career is on. How important is it? And and I think you're an interesting one to ask this because of some of the places that you've been in, in your career and some of the stops that you've had along the way. How important is it in that within the Red Bull framework and organization, there is the symmetry between the MLS side, the USL side, and then down through the academy? I think it's hugely important. I mean, it makes the jump that much easier i mean going from academy to usl to then first team you you know what's expected of you and you know the style of play already the only thing you really have to acclimate to is is the intensity and and the speed of play really and the physicality of and the change in that aspect but um you know the transparency in the system all the way from the first team to the academy is huge because you know, making the step, you don't have to worry about style changes. You don't have to worry about, you know, learning new things that you'd have to if you, you know, switch teams completely. So that's huge. And, you know, I know it's helped guys like me and, you know, a lot of the academy guys on the team now, but also, you know, still talking to like Caden Clark and, and John Tolk. And I know it's helped them jumping from USL to first team as well, because you go there and it's just, it's something that you've been doing already. So it's, it's not new to you. You can jump in and you can kind of focus on the speed of play and the physicality and, and the intensity rather than learning new positionary stuff. Well, I know Jake, Steve looked forward to seeing you play the other night. I've got the Red Bull two game coming up on the 15th of September. We appreciate you coming on uh, and giving us some time. I wish you nothing but success for the remaining part of this season and then look forward to you at some point making the jump uh, up to the next level. And I, wholeheartedly appreciate the fact that over 30 minutes, Steve is probably more jealous of you now having to look at the hairstyle than he was 30 minutes ago. That's, just, that's true. I mean, sometimes reality hits at your heart and uh, it is true. Enjoy it. Like, you know, shampoo it, make it glisten, do whatever you need to do with the hairstyle. Just let, let it go, buddy. Just enjoy every aspect of it. Definitely. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. That is Jake LaCava for Steve Jolly. I'm Matt Harmon. Thanks to all of us here on the Red Bull radio side of things. It's another edition of Red Bull Weekly. We do it each and every week. As always, we're brought to you by NJIT. Look forward to seeing and talking with you on Saturday as New York Red Bull on the MLS side welcomes DC United. We'll talk about 9-11 and remember the days back in 2001. Until then, appreciate your listening here on Red Bull Weekly.